What's up, everybody? I am Kenzie. I'm AT, and this is Sippin'. This ain't a sip and see. But come sip and see. What are you sipping? Today I am sipping on some water. Oh, good. Just some plain old water. Good. Mm-hmm. I never what are you my sipping? Lesson. I uh, <laughs> once again have come in from brunch. Uh, where I had uh, two Bloody Marys and several mimosas. And now I'm sipping, you know, my same Tropicana. Um, I don't like that name for it, but my tropical... Um, Soiree, it's what I call it. A tropical wow. soiree. You know, vodka, a little um, pineapple, lemon, and mango juice. That's what this episode should be called a tropical soiree. A, a tropical <laughs> soiree. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You see how we found that? What is that episode about? What is the Tropical Soiree about? Oh, today's episode is all about really what's happening in pop culture with black folk right now. There's some stuff going down. Isn't it always something going down? Always. Always something going down. Well, let's get into it. Let's Come get on. into it. Where are we starting with on today? Today, we're going to start talking about uh, Lisa Ray McCoy and the Bratz little... <laughs> Uh, coming together for DeBrat's, not DeBrat's, for Lisa Ray's birthday, uh, where DeBrat appeared on Queen, Queens with Cocktails to wish her sister a happy birthday. And uh, Lisa Ray wasn't too happy about it. DeBrat almost got cussed out. She certainly did almost get cussed out. And she, <laughs> I couldn't tell whether she was scared <laughs> or whether she was like confused at like, you really going to act like this in front of folk who are not in the family? Like, I know we all cool, but, like, this our stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? So she looked like she was really caught off guard. She did, and she she looked like, she almost kind of looked like she expected it, though. She did say at one point she kind of expected that her sister would react in that way because they haven't spoken in so long. Um, So she comes on to this nationally syndicated show to wish her sister a happy birthday when they haven't spoken off screen in some months. And there was news that broke about DeBrat uh, entering this relationship with a woman, her first public relationship with a woman, uh, mind you. And uh, Lisa Ray hadn't been told any of this information. She felt slighted as her sister. And uh, we got to see a bit of that reaction. So what we all need to understand is that their beef runs much deeper mm-hmm. than DeBrat not expressing this relationship to her sister especially because you know lisa ray talked about you know i've always you know supported you in that area you know i want to see everybody be happy and in love Mm -hmm. you know and so this is how you're gonna come share your newfound joy with me we're gonna have to drop a clip we're gonna have to drop a clip (laughs) for that moment brad what do you have to say for lisa ray i i I, is this are you surprised that she's having this reaction or 
No, I'm not surprised. Um, we kind of been a little bit distant or whatever, so I know she's really surprised because, you oh, know, no. I have a whole new on, significant other situation and I was kind of scared to talk to her about it. And I don't know, you know, so yeah, this, I haven't seen her or talked to her in a long time, but we text from time to time and stuff, but I haven't seen her since COVID for real and before that. So this was great for me and Punk, you know how much I love you. I appreciate you coming out and, and, and verbally saying happy birthday to me this kind of way because I damn sure ain't heard from you in months. Watching, uh, what you say it's called? Queens, Queens with cocktails. City. Queens with cocktails. <laughs> And it sounds very C-list. Like, it sounds, you know, and I was just like, so that I see those involved, and I'm just like, oh, so these are like the barely made it folk. No. Um, this is okay. Fox has a good career. I think the thing. only reason why we say that is because she did kill Bill. That's the only reason why. Other than that, she would be, <laughs> I'm so serious. Wow. <laughs> Other than that, you know, and maybe because she dated 50 Cent, you mm. know, uh, which she really loved him because she tried she to talk did. about, she tried to talk about all the pegging they used to do. Right. And, you know, some black men, some straight black men like to be pegged. So it's Amen. okay. Like y'all need to open yourselves up to the, to the potential that your body can feel but can be penetrated can, oh, by love and other things love and things you know and, and maybe that man wants you cis woman to penetrate him he don't want nobody else to penetrate he wants you to do it that's, that's some love and happiness that's just I can't do that today but I just have always thought of um, Vivica Fox I mean, I, I will let her have it. She, she's a B. Uh, she, she, I will give her B. A B, okay. B-list we'll, actress. We can give her B, yeah. Kenzie has uh, said Vivica Fox is a B-list actress. Don't do that. Um, just so you all know, that is the news on the street, according to Kenzie. I can't. I can't. Okay, as long as the people know. Okay. But no, we do have to say, you know, about this whole situation, for me, it really struck me because... You know, the brat was really coming out to her sister publicly for the first time. They hadn't had a conversation about her dating this woman at all. Um, and that was part of what Lisa Ray was upset about, too. Um, and she felt that her sister hadn't been forthcoming with her um, and that there's obviously some type of break going on within their relationship. Um, and Lisa Ray was more upset about that part of it, it seems that she has kind of been left out of the fold in terms of all this news and this new relationship and the brat coming out as lesbian publicly. Um, so I just always think that <laughs> there's so much to say in response to that. I don't, I'm first interested to know who's the older sister. Um, and then I'm interested to know too, like what's the dynamic of their relationship. I also, you know, I always think that, like, and the reason why I ask about the dynamic of the relationship is because I think, you know, 
you know, family stuff is supposed to be with the family. Mm-hmm. You know, at least that's how I was raised. Like, you know, you just don't, you know, involve other people, even even your other family members who are outside of the immediate family. Mm-hmm. You know, which I think that's a little, you know, drastic. But you don't involve them in your <clears throat> immediate family life. And so I wonder if she felt like that was the only way to reach her sister. And I will say too, you know, they they've appeared on a I think it was Growing Up Hip Hop maybe, um, mm-hmm. but Debrat was on there and like the two of them had some scenes together and showing how close their sisterhood it really was. So they have had a like strong bond in the past, and so it seems like this has been like a kind of new break between the two of them. I don't know that because what I do know is that folks in the limelight like to perform. Okay, mm-hmm. you don't know what kind of relationship they have had. Keep your family business to yourself. How about mm. that? You How know, about that? Because it backfired, Debra. It <laughs> backfired. <laughs> I really want to think through, since we are in the time of the black woman, um, which I had a very interesting conversation about that during brunch. Um, I will save it for later because I want to make sure that when I do talk about this moment, I have all of my words together because my thoughts um, are just unique, I will say. (laughs) But anyway... Um, Real Housewives of Potomac this season has been quite um, a spectacle. Truly. Um, so it should be no secret if you follow the show that uh, Candace and Monique uh, came to blows and the whole and the season was set up on this moment. Um, <laughs> Candace with an eye. <laughs> Candace popped in the eye. Oh. Um, Ooh, and I was just like, Monique didn't get her good enough. That's why she was running around that corner, because she was like, I didn't get her good enough. She needed just a little bit more. <laughs> I do not condone violence. I mean, I don't condone it per se, but sometimes <laughs> a bitch needs to get popped. And Candace was... A bitch, and everybody knows I don't mean that as a gender term, who needed to be popped. Uh, And it was about time that that spoiled little entitled brat get popped. Well, can you set up this whole scenario for those who may not watch the show? Yeah, so I think I can. Um, So the whole season literally was set up. First episode um, was set up for this contentious moment that happens and you hear the grand dame screaming, Monique, let her go. You know, and we just like, Ooh, uh Oh, speak your peace. Speak your peace. <laughs> <laughs> that is never going to old. That it is will. never going to <laughs> Oh my God. Right. Um, you know, so we're like, what happens? And so, you know, and they also talk about how, like, in the previous season, which I didn't, you know, watch Potomac um, regularly prior to this. Well, I stopped watching after the fight because that's really all I wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can be real. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, 
don't. <laughs> so they talk about how like they had some contention in their friendship. You know, like they were like big sister, little sister, mm-hmm. and there was some contentious thing that happened, and then they like made up on the reunion. You know, Monique's crying. I could see in Candace's eyes that she was fake as, as fuck, but <gasps> you know, and I think that's why Monique was so upset with her because she was just like, girl, like you know, I'm really trying to like come to you with some sisterhood and you, you know, you fake, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what it looked like to me. And so I think in this season is, you know, basically them trying to maintain a friendship. But while Monique is like, no, you really kind of fake. Like you just are not it. So Ashley gets there and she asks, about, you know, if they're okay. And Candace starts running off at the mouth, you know, and Monique says, I'm going to meet her where she's at. And that's what it is. And that's where the conversation should have ended. But what will a yapping dog do? Yap, yap, yap. (laughs) And so... That's why sometimes you got to pop a bitch so they stop yapping. You know? Candace Candace repeatedly said, what was her famous line? Oh, drag drag me. me. Monique, drag me. Drag me then. Yeah, but see, that's how you know she ain't gotten no fight before. Because I'm like, be careful what you ask for. Yikes. I mean... There was a lot of provocation happening. I will agree with that. And I, it was it was really both sides. It really was a it was. kind of 50-50 split. But Monique, when she, when she got a hold of her, she went in. Oh, yeah. She didn't no. stop. She didn't want to stop. It was a blessing that there were so many people around and security was there. Yeah. Because that little rodent girl would have gotten. Not rodent. Yeah, she's like a little squirrel. So she looks like a little, you know, I won't give her chipmunk. She's a squirrel. <laughs> but, um, I... yeah. you know, and I mean, I think that Monique got petty when she flipped the girl's hair. Like that was, she did. you know, that was petty. Uh, but I think also what's interesting about this situation is the ways that when it took this legal turn, which mm. I think is so, you know, ridiculous. And the only reason why, you know, it did that because that girl, Dragged you, and you were mad. Yep. She did what you asked her to do. Drag me, Monique. Now she filed take- second degree assault charges against her. Oh, not second degree. Second degree. Mm. Hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Um. What do you take of Karen Huger's? You know support of trying to help Monique to this moment and getting the other ladies to understand, but then also telling uh, Candace that if she was in the situation, she would press charges. I think Karen has really kind of solidified her position as the eldest woman in this group of women. And she tries to act as kind of this almost maternal figure toward the younger cast members. Um, particularly Candace, of course, um, you know, they have that older sister, younger sister, auntie, you whatever vibe. Okay. I'm auntie, mm-hmm. Mama. okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think it's interesting cause Karen now she has to kind of 
toe that line and be friends to both of these young women who she tries to mentor um, to uphold her own kind of image as the grand dame who can, you know, give advice when it's needed um, and help these younger women come to see the light and, you know, make good decisions in their lives. Um, I think it's fake of her, though, to do that, to tell Candace to file those charges while also consoling Monique and acting as if it's all cool. Well, I didn't think that was, I don't know how the conversation went. Did she like tell her to do it or did she ask, or was she asked like, what would you do if you were in that situation? So Karen basically said to Candace, if it were me, I would have pressed charges immediately after the incident. But you also sit there, you know, when you were talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and talking about how we can have uh, two truths, mm-hmm. you know, in one moment. She can support Monique, but always saying, bitch, if you had popped me, that's what I would have done. And I will say, too, she did hold Monique accountable when she held the meeting of the cast members at her house. She told Monique, like, what you did was wrong. Outright. Um, You shouldn't have done it. And so I'll give her credit for that. I'm so interested in just especially just because randomly it's been coming up in conversation like this weekend, like Mm. came up twice before this Mm. conversation. But just, you know, this idea of, you know, fighting and and even you said, I don't condone violence. (laughs) And, you know, but the thing is, is that as we know, emotions do run wild, you know, Mm -hmm. people do horrible things in the fit of rage and they don't understand how it came to pass. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, they're snapped. Yeah. Yeah. Snapped. I mean, definitely, (laughs) you know, um, and I told you, I think that's why, like, I, I watch, you know, that's my, you know, guilty pleasure. I watch fight videos because that level of emotion is so fascinating to me. Most times when folks are, fi- are, folk are fighting, it's over petty reasons, mm. you know? Like, I just be like, oh, okay, you're not a good friend. So that means I don't see you. You know, like that's for me, that's how that would be like what they were fighting about, you know, was out of control. You know, now I wonder how many glasses of wine them folks had. That part, you know, but that's what they do on the reality TV set. They get them liquored up, get them drunk so they can act toe up. Mm hmm. But really, you know, in this season, I have tried to really hone in on the power of the tongue Mm, and And um, using my words very carefully in terms Mm -hmm. of uh, when I need to defend myself Mm -hmm. or talk to someone about something. Um, Or read someone. Or read someone. Yeah, there's really a power in that. And it's it's so important, really, when you're able to use language in a way when the things you don't say, the spaces in between the lines that you make, really drop that message. And that is the beauty. That is definitely good. Or you have put your words together so fiercely that you have stopped and arrested that person and they don't know what to do. For me, that's mine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I love words so much. Yes. Like I, that's why, you know, I, I classify it as a shape and it's because language, once you like master language, whoo, mm. it's a great time. It is a power that many don't have. You know who does have it? Who? 
Claudia Jordan. Oh! <laughs> I want to Claudia. say that I have not enjoyed reading something <laughs> as much as I enjoyed reading. I used to call Phaedra's was the read heard around the world, but I do think that this one tops that one. It certainly does. Let me the see if I can read an excerpt. Oh, you must. <laughs> I love what she kept saying, but you gave me the green light. Right. <laughs> okay. So she was so, like, I don't read it. But you gave me the green light. <laughs> Claudia Jordan, y'all, had to come for NeNe Leaks on Instagram because NeNe had laughed at her um, after she had posted about getting abused by a man. And so Claudia told NeNe, oh, you think laughing at a woman getting whipped by a man is okay? All right, since you want to laugh at my abuse, I now have the green light to laugh at the abuse your surgeon been doing to that face. <laughs> she said, once again, you overpaid. You hate women and seeing others happy and things not being about you, period. Let Cynthia have this moment. As much as I don't fuck with you, I'd never laugh at you getting hurt by some man. But that's typical Nene, evil and miserable with a rotten spirit. She goes on to say so much more. And I, was, I think so what's much. really interesting is that, you know, this is definitely one of those moments when people show you, you know, themselves, believe them. I know I butchered that quote. Uh, but when they reveal themselves, believe them. You know, this is not the first time Nene has made a joke or, or spoken lightly about, you know, physical abuse. Remember when she was um, trying to do that comedy tour, which I never understood why mm. anybody would send Nene on a comedy tour, um, you know, because she's not, she's funny like, girl, you crazy, but not like yeah. skilled to be putting jokes together, you yeah. know. Um, and she made that joke about being raped in a, by an Uber driver. Yep. You know, so we understand how, oh, I don't want to call her class. I actually like NeNe, even in her rough moments. She, you know, she's, I mean, you know, I say crazy things all the time. I mean, I wouldn't be saying no things like that, but just how she does not think before she speaks. And maybe she is, you know, nasty and miserable in that way. And if that's true, then she's got a lot to work on, you know, in her middle age, you know. But what was fascinating to me is that, you know, this was all in response, wasn't it? Like, was she not responding to this, this, what was it? She tried, So Nene tried to launch a show? Nene did try to launch a show, The Reading Room. And it was a flop. And so that's, this is perfect for my research. Because, see, y'all going to stop trying to take black queer culture mm. and, and trying to do with it what you want to do because you don't know what reading really is and you don't have the power you know to to stand i mean you know i think black folk read i think we all do i think that's you know but it was black queer folk who named it reading and so when you try to do the reading room you know and 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 talking about throwing shade you know from this um heterosexual purview like it, it, it's just not it's not going to work because that's not your culture he said no weapon formed against formed me. against me y'all got mad it won't work when when kim kardashian wear the braids will y'all straight folk be doing the same thing that's why when i hear about you know them um 
being homophobic and transphobic. I'm just like, if it if it wasn't for a queer person, you would be looking raggedy. And it's a queer, and you probably still look raggedy, but it was a queer person that made you look your very best. You know what yep. I'm saying? It was, it was a, a queer designer that you're wearing. Y'all running around wearing Versace and things. You know what I'm saying? That queer man died on your behalf, you know, in your honor. So, but anyway, that's what she gets. You know, she tried to do this thing, Funky Dineva. All of them <laughs> talked about how, you know, where was the budget, all of these things. They said, you know, it looked hood, it looked, you know, low budget. But, I mean, she filmed it in her new restaurant called Delinithia, named after herself, of course. Um, it was empty. She just had the booths in there, and that's where they were filming. Um, and they were filming it on an iPhone, it looked like. Um, and there was no editing done to it either, so that was interesting. It's challenging to discuss that because I'm just like, well, we're in the age of mediocrity. So, mm. and she doesn't have, in terms of, 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 of television, she doesn't have any really real talent, you know? So I, it's clear to me that, no, I mean, you know, she's, she's funny, you know, she's, she's, she's the sarcastic friend, the friend that says crazy things, the friend that can go off, you yep. know, that's her talent, you know, but that's not talent in terms of art and creation and, and, and putting and hosting together. the show. Right. You know, um, and I'm not sure I would want to, to watch her host a show anyway. I definitely wouldn't want to sit in no restaurant called the, L- the Lanethia, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, you know, word on the street is Nene had a, her own talk show in the works with the with one of the big studios, but Wendy Williams had it chopped because she didn't want competition with another black woman hosting a talk show. But this was some years ago, back in. Uh, but you never forget before. nothing like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You never forget that. You never forget that. You don't forget anything. If that's true, you don't forget that. That's crazy. Yep. I didn't know that. That's out of control. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have yeah. been friends with her. You know that's a fake friendship. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, you know, karma, I'm telling you, some karma is something, you know, because we praying for uh, Wendy Williams, you know, I was Truly. watching the show two Fridays ago, and I said, oh, she lit. She yep. lit up. And that's not liquor. Nope. Feel something. Appeal to something. She, yeah, she tore up. And so we're going to wish her a speedy recovery. Yes. You got to get her back I in the I pray for her hard. health, and yeah, I hope she has some a good support system mm-hmm. looking out for her. I want to go back, though, to, to Claudia Jordan's read real quick, just because what I found is that she talked about how nobody wants to work with her, you know, and the way Claudia spoke so clearly was just like you have, she's like the fall of the queen. You know, and I thought, which I thought was gracious because that she's like, even if it's read, I'm gonna give you, you know, your roses. You, you were, you know, you had, you were. Pop- I mean, she was on Glee, like you were popping. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the potential to really ride, ride, ride this wave, but yep. you know, your nastiness has brought you down, and so that's what we need to learn. That's what many folk need to get at. You know, you out here thinking you're cute and you're fabulous and have all the power. 
Because like Nene said before, when she saying that when um, Claudia read her again fiercely, she was like, I got a husband, something you don't have, you know. That's a business partner at this I point. I think that's my favorite. But, I think my favorite read of all time. Your clit has left your body. <laughs> I know she had to dig for that one because that was... That was out the gutter. That hit, uh-huh. that cut low. Your foot has left your body. <laughs> like, we all said, wow. Everybody at that table said, wow. Uh-huh. Is that even possible? <laughs> Nene, you're mine. I think that was a moment when I was like starting to dislike Nene, and that made mm-hmm. me like her again. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> That moment, though, really, when I watched that scene, like, it feels so vile. Like, it feels nasty. Like, everything they were saying to one another, it just, I can't watch it too much. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Claudia had to leave the show, because yeah, she really should have stayed, because nobody has ever gone toe-to-toe in that way with me right. and been able to stand, yep. you know, and she was very cavalier with her you know, hubris. And I was just like, oh, they can't. Nene probably like, was like, she's got to go. Uh-huh. She's got to go. Mm. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. And in a hurry. Well, I hope that this all this work will bring up Claudia Jordan to Elisa C. Plus. Where does she stand right now? Oh, I don't even know if she has a mark. Um... <laughs> Laura, speaking of Mark So what is uh with the straight black man and their investment in capitalism and their uh, going to bed with white supremacy? That's all they that know. That's the only way they know to how to advance. Is is the dollar, right? Yes. I mean, oh <laughs> Jay-Z and Beyonce are constantly telling us, just get that wealth up. You'll be good. Get that stack that and I, I think that that is good information. But what the problem is, is that, you know, particularly for black people, you know, and I'm not like saying that this is necessarily a weakness. I just think that, there's a particular way in which you engage with your audience, right? And so I think with black folks, you just can't say flippant things like that, you know? Because mm. what get get what getting money to you and build my wealth up to you might I might interpret that much differently, you know? Um, and particularly when wisdom and education is put in place. You know, you got mm. some folks, you got to walk them through it, you yep. know, you know, like there's, there's a whole, you in a whole different socioeconomic bracket than all of us. Right. So you're going to get money and building wealth. It's going to look different than mine. Exactly. But also I think that this situ these situations are really kind of supporting what folk are saying when they're talking about, you know, how straight black folk really want the same access and power as white people. They're not really thinking about equality, mm-hmm. you know, because of the ways in which, you know, straight black men treat women, or black yes. men treat women, and the ways in which black folk treat queer folk, the way queer folk treat trans folk. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, which 
it's all about power, right? You know, um, but I'm just like, I don't understand why you would ever think that this individual would be supportive to you and would assist you and help you in this great fight that you think you're fighting. And to name names, we're talking about Ice Cube and Lil Wayne getting into business with Trump. And 50 Cent getting into business with Trump. Although 50 Cent came back and said something stupid like, fuck Trump. I changed my mind. Fuck Trump. Something like that. Oh, I had the biggest crush on uh, in college. I used to have I, a big. I never had posters of men on my walls. I didn't <laughs> have posters of him on my wall in college. You want to go to the candy shop? Oh, I want him to play in mine. <laughs> but back to this deal that Ice Cube has made with Trump. The contract with Black America is the plan that uh, Ice Cube has presented to President Trump and has agreed to work on with him. Um, and it's supposed to supposedly bring uh, more jobs uh, and to uh, include initiatives such as neighborhoods with the highest policing standards and replacing failing schools with full school choice. And it's being called the Platinum Plan. I do think that we all have our role to play in this um, effort to level the playing field for black people. I think most of us should not be trying to engage with the government mm -hmm. because this country is based in divisiveness and divisiveness in terms of race. So I don't understand why it would compute in his mind that this particular president would support and understand whatever kind of presentation he's trying to, you know, business plan he's trying to create. Mm -hmm. It just baffles me. This is a president who has children locked up in cages, you know, little Latinx children locked up in cages, have, you know, spoken about communities, you know, that only consist of gangs and rapists, you know, shithole countries. Like he is, and you know, and then of course has told the Proud Boys to stand down, but stand by. I said, <laughs> like, I wasn't getting into the like the conversations about him being a bigot, but in that moment, I was like, okay, y'all, Robert E. Lee is, is, is back, mm -hmm. y'all. <laughs> yep. If we weren't clear before, we're clear now. And for me, I really just think about how really young this country is in the kind of grand scheme of the world. Mm -hmm. This country was established in 1776. It's only 244 years old. Like... This Constitution can go. The Constitution is literally based on the slave system. Like, when it was written, m most of the men who wrote it owned slaves. So they were not writing with us in mind at all. So it is okay for us to have conversation about, you know, getting rid of that, maybe starting over or um, altering it in ways that are actually equitable for the entirety of the population in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely.
Absolutely. I mean, you know, which I think you just, I think, broadened my thought about, you know, the the incessant need for this country to atone. And Mm -hmm. I think you're right that with that, you know, we need to reconfigure the foundation in which this country stands. You know, you're absolutely right. That's what we need to be calling for along with reparations. Like, we need to be calling for the redesign of the United States of America. You know, that's what has to happen. That's the work to be done. It, it, it is like it's true. Like I'm fired up, you know, inside right now because I'm like, that's what, you know, and, it, and this is that this is what the work that black people do. We need to think about, you know, the ways in which we have to engage with these. folks. we have to be very strategic. So, yeah. fighting, you know, screaming reparations is not going to do it. But to say this country is built on a system that is no longer uh, it's no longer relevant because. It looks as if it is not in place, but it's still in place in these ways that are covert for you, but very obvious for us, you know. And so we have to redesign this. And you also need to recompense, (laughs) give me my coin or give me something so that, you know, all is fair game. Then we mm. can be talking about equality, brotherhood, <laughs> liberty, and all these things. But when yep. we say it now, you know, it's just not. That's not a reality. It isn't a reality. It's a lie. It is. Yep. It's a lie. It's a lie. And I'm tired. I'm tired of everybody performing. Yep. But y'all not good at it. The ones doing it on the screen and the ones doing it in the street. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> That's why it's a dream. Y'all got we got to wake up. We do. Right. Y'all been riding that I have a dream wave too long. It's now it's time to wake up. Yeah. Thank you, Martin Luther King. Oh, Lord. Well, speaking of uh, political leaders, we really are in trouble. <laughs> I think the Republicans, too, have shown that they are liars and they are um, sneaky and they have decided to confirm. What's this little lady's name? My little lady, Amy Coney Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Amy Coney Barrett. Okay. We're going to have three names to sit in the woman's seat. Um, <laughs> now, Tonya yeah. Sotomayor, she only got two. She good. Oh, that's right. I, I forget about her. I don't know none of them except for Clarence Thomas. That's terrible. <laughs> um, and only know about him because of his scandal in the 90s. Well. <clears throat> but, um, I, you know, I think from her peddling this little black Haitian child to she got two. She got two of them. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the other one. It's two Haitian children. Yes. Well, I'm glad he's not there by himself. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad he's not. Now there by you know. <laughs> you know, it's so sad when they be this just them and all the white children. But at least he got another one. I hope for that. Um, at least they can. Yeah, um, you have some company. Yeah, slap fives. You know, behind folks' backs. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
No, he looked very happy walking around uh, with his family. Um, I, I think for me, you know, it's more about the ways in which these Republicans have been clearly underhanded. They clearly, you know, have these agendas. And I really feel like it goes beyond being conservative. I don't know what it is. But I think it, it goes beyond because I don't know if it's, you know, just, you know, control of, of humanity. Um, but it, it, it's very scary. You know, it's a very, it's a very scary thing. For me, you know, when I wrap my head around what conservatism is, it seems as if they are after the ultimate idea of freedom, meaning doing whatever to whoever, but also having control, having control over one's own life and immediate family, of course, that's that, but also just freedom to really do whatever, like in terms of taxes, um, not being taxed at all, like they don't want to be taxed, um, they don't want government involvement at all, um, they don't care for social programs to help those in need. Um, so it's like this idea of really that American dream of everyone trying to strive for this capital um, success, no matter the cost, and having no consequences really. That's what I think of it as. Well, when you just said all of that, you just reminded me, or and I think it relates to what we were just talking about. It just seems like somebody's going to always be in slavery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In the ways in which you were talking about power, like I'm like, oh, so enslavement we need to think about it. It looks like so many different things. I don't know why in terms of conservatism and always try, and it's always rooted, you know, I guess with some religious, you know, undergirded by religion. I don't understand why anybody would want to feel like they can tell someone what they can and cannot do with their body. Um, but also you're attempting to take away health support from millions of people, claiming that this system is not a good one and we need to get rid of it. Um, and it may not be the best. You know, I think it, it is flawed. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure that part of your disdain for this system is rooting in your bias and race because it was a system created by somebody black. Um, but beyond that, you want to disenfranchise millions of folk for what? Especially when you don't have anything tangible to put in its place. Mm. And it just reminds me of how folk really think that they are out in the world thinking that they are, you know, living with 
uh, strong moral values as they tried to peddle this woman in her Catholic faith. And I'm like, you're wishing to hurt lots of people. Mm. And you think you are good and qualified to mark the law? You know, but I, it's just so, it just, it's so confusing to me, you know, and especially, of course, that like, you know, the separation of church and state. And I'm like, every time they say that, I'm like, but this country is based off of, <laughs> like, I, it's like, the whole pledge they, is like, <laughs> yeah, to God, like, <laughs> exactly. And I'm just like, what are y'all talking about? Like, before, you know, the queer folk could get married, y'all were saying we couldn't because that's not what God wants. But I said, what about the separation of church? Like, I'm not even going to go with how that rhetoric is incorrect, but yeah. everything is a bit contradiction, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Which is another reason why I'm saying, black folk, why y'all trying to work with this government and this system? They don't know what the <laughs> fuck they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? And Amy Coney Barrett has never tried a case. She's never prosecuted in a court of law. She's only been a professor and has worked in a court of appeals in a 7th District Circuit Court. I just, I don't understand. I do understand. I mean, our current president is a reality TV star and a (laughs) businessman, so I do understand. I mean, also, you know, I mean, well, at least she studied it. You know, sis couldn't even name sis couldn't even uh, fully name the First Amendment. All the rights listed in the First Amendment. She had difficulty with that. I can't either. But but see, she's supposed to be qualified to do that. Like to sit (laughs) on the Supreme Court, she should be able to do that. Oh Lord! Well, (laughs) she's a constitutional scholar. She should know to do that. Well. We'll see when you become a scholar. See how how you're gonna be the one. I think it's I think it's on page seventy eight in the <laughs> second anthology that <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, God bless us all. You know, I, I truly we are in a world full of trouble. And um I'm praying for us. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, like when like when the George Floyd incident happened, I'm just like, you know, I am of the mindset, tear it all down. Mm-hmm. You know. Tear down because it needs to be torn down to be built back up. And so if that's what needs to happen, then tear it down. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Um, well, speaking of tearing it down, the queer kids are really, really <laughs> making themselves known in the world of um, fighting. <laughs> I think it was during Pride that there was this, you know, fight that um, happened. Somebody recorded it through um, a few porn artists. And it was clarified later. I mean, you know, I'm sure the folk who are obsessed and who exalt these porn stars, they were aware at the time who was in the video Um, because I think in that video somebody was like oh I love their work (laughs) I saw somebody I love that that was very funny Um, (laughs) and so then I think the the video reemerges and Cash De Niro makes some video you know where he's explaining about 
the ways in which Yardie Style um, have very interesting porn names these days. Yardie mm-hmm. Style, with his colored contacts, was trying to holler at him. Now, I'm just also trying to be like, but you just don't let him be. So why are you talking about his colored contacts? Uh, and it's okay. You know, y'all need to really unlearn these very stupid ideas of what masculinity is. But anyway, mm. you still was so Say that. Idea, you know, Say that. Now, color contact was just whack. But he was insinuating something else. But anyway, apparently, like, he was, you know, um, reaching out to him, talking about, you know, how he wanted, you know, He's so beautiful. Good morning, beautiful. I was dreaming about you. These are Castanero's words. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, and I am beautiful. Like, you all right. You another little, like, possum um, rodent. You know, but still cute. You know, the cute one. You know, well, like, like a hamster. Rodent, you know, everybody <laughs> loves, thinks hamsters are so cute. You know, and everybody doesn't feel that way. But they are, you know, charming. <laughs> but anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I guess apparently Yardy Style came to Atlanta during Pride and had sex with uh, Cash Nero's ex, Rico Pruitt. Cash Nero was talking about how this boy then comes to Atlanta and has sex with Rico Pruitt and a slew of other folk. Now, I don't think that's what the fight is about. I don't know why they were fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, recently, after that, another video, and we later find out that now Rico Pruitt, who has left, has in, you know, the relationship with him and Cash and Nero is over. He's now in a throuple with fame um, and some little boy whose name I can't pronounce. I don't understand what it's supposed to be. But anyway, they are supposed to all be in a throuple, which I think that's cute in terms of the representation of, um, I guess, what love and intimacy can look like. Um, but apparently there was, there was this fight with the boy with the... Um, name in which we don't know or can't say gets in a fight with J.D. Blackstone and it's interesting because somebody made this video where I guess they were going back and forth on social media uh, like on like a Periscope or something like that or like an IG Live or something Mm. Um, you know the whole like I see my address right now all of that foolishness (laughs) Um, and then you see them fighting and and J.D. Blackstone did get his little ass whooped wow yeah, and so I think that this is so interesting to me, you know, there were lots of fights that looked like that during Pride, you know, and I was just, and I was wondering, you know, because I mean, you know, if you go out to a gay nightclub, you know, it is not, especially in the South, you know, it is not uncommon that a fight will break out. In fact, <laughs> you probably can bet that a fight will break out that night, you know, but they happen, they generally don't get that intense, you know. Unless security is not doing their job, you know they're not they're not standing by, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
and standing down. But, um, you know, these fights looked really, like, intense. And I was like, you can't be that mad, mad because he kissed your man or, like, he, I mean, maybe, maybe somebody would. I don't know. <laughs> you know, he grabs his dick. I don't know. Like, you know, and I learned that a lot of these fights have been, they spawned from Twitter bees. Mm. And I just think that is so stupid. But I think that's where we are in society. I mean, like, I think, even, I mean, even when people, like, that come in, I just read this girl on Facebook. Mm. And I just be like, so you know you're the one who looks stupid because you were arguing with someone who you've never met before. Right. Whom you have no idea who they are. That's so stupid, you know, or the other associate of mine who was like, asked me what was my response or what have I been doing, you know, in lieu of the George Floyd situation, you know, mm-hmm. and I talked about some creative work that I had done. He talked about his, the ways in which he had been getting people together on social media. Drag me, Monique! But like you said, this moment has brought a lot of awareness to folk. But, yeah, I just don't understand, you know, like, and, like, having all of this energy toward someone you don't know or even spending time getting in arguments with people you do know through social media, like, that will never make sense to me. You will never see me on social media going back and forth with somebody just aimlessly. Like, I usually, if I'm going to respond to somebody, it's going to be, like, a succinct thing and be, like, no hard feelings. Thank you so much. We're going to move forward. Um, Because, really, I feel like social media has created this kind of lack in in my generation, especially this kind of, there's this loss of the art of debate. Like, people don't know what it is to actually have a fruitful debate with people. It's always argument and always Mm -hmm. trying to simply prove yourself right instead of listening to and responding. Exactly. That's what I was just about to say. I mean, I was dating this dude, and he asked me, are you, are you listening to understand or listening to be right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't think that people listen to understand. I also think, you know, that people don't understand that my point of view does not have to be your point of view. Or right. there are other point of views that you might want to consider. You know, or just because everybody's doing things this way, that doesn't mean I have to do it. Yeah. Also, I thought what was really interesting about this whole situation was I was like, y'all are very incestuous, and you're okay with it. Mm. And I and, and I don't think that that's like in just indicative to this generation. I actually think that. Maybe that's how many engage, you know, like having sex with folk who are in their circle, you know, um, that's, that's never been something that I, you know, wanted to, to do. Um, but I just thought it was interesting, you know, because Cashin was talking about JD Blackstone as his best friend, you know, and they were they both on the show? I know JD Blackstone was on that show that Rico Pruitt had with Signal um 
Signal Twenty Three TV, Signal TV Twenty Three, where they were, they were, it was a dating show. <laughs> Not were they, were they both on it? Cash De Niro was on it too, wasn't he? I didn't watch that one. I saw a whole different yeah, scripted series like, on there. Though. They were like, it was like the black queer version of The Bachelorette. Oh, like The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, Rico Pruitt is a cutie. I think he, I, I, you know, when that when that little boy wrote that uh, open letter to him, I felt I felt him because he was just mm. like, you have the potential to be a superstar, and you gonna settle to get flooded on OnlyFans. Shoot higher, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Uh, but he's a cutie pie. But you know, just how they all, you know, are having sex together. I wonder if scientifically that keeps the STDs down. Their I, bodies, their choice. Their bodies, their choice. You are absolutely right. No, yeah, I just was curious. I just wanted to know the scientific data. No, I certainly am not. <laughs> But yeah, so I wonder if this is like, you know, a thing, you know, just to round that out. Like, I'm wondering if that's a thing now that like really people are taking their social media dialogues to the next level, which was yet again another conversation. Funny, really at brunch, you know, we were talking about a situation uh, where my friend um, got into some social media altercation and that person was like when well, I'm gonna see you I'm gonna fuck you up and then they were at a party and he said he danced and stood by him for two hours to see if he was gone fuck him up oh, drag me Monique he did <laughs> I wouldn't have stood there that two hours I would have asked not him, two hours I would have been I'm like here. so we're supposed to be fighting, aren't we? We're supposed to be getting <laughs> fucked up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about it. Be about it. Mm. What do you think about the B-Boy Blues and this opportunity that Jesse... Smollett has, um, I think they're already in production to yeah. film the adaptation of this book. You know, I have actually have not read B-Boy Blues, so I'm not too familiar with the story. Um, mm -hmm. But I do know Jesse Smollett's production company is called Super Massive Movies. And that just, ooh, that feels, um, it feels nasty. It doesn't feel... That feels uncomfortable for me just to hear that. Um, I don't like the name of that production company. It feels very bogus to me, but I hope he's able to produce some content that someone enjoys. Yeah, I I think that this is really bad, <laughs> actually. Not the book, you know. So I'm yeah. familiar with the book, you know. It definitely... Um, was part of my coming of age as a young queer black boy, you know, in Atlanta. I'm, that's where I'm from, but um, it came out around the time that Elin Harris's book, Invisible Life, came out. And, you know, that was a book that, I mean, there were 
black queer fiction writers before that, Melvin Dixon, with his amazing book called Vanishing Room that came out in the 80s. But, you know, Elon Harris came out for me and my sister happened to have it, I think. So I got to read it and it definitely informed, you know, um, my confidence in being black and gay, it, it particularly like, you know, in that knowing that, you know, there was space in the world, you know, mm. for me and that folks are out here living and having a great time. And so, you know, and then B-Boy Blues is, an, is a love story, but it's like the urban version of, I guess, black gay fiction, you know? Mm. So I think that, you know, it's an important book. I think it's beautiful that it, you know, is going to be, um, screened, you know, I do think that Invisible Life would probably be a better movie. Um, mm. But I also wonder if I'm getting, like, caught up in that, like, um, classism, because, I mean, definitely, like, these <laughs> two books are oddly enough, as I think the setting of B-Boy Blues is in New York. I think so. I think that... I think so. Book. Yeah. It's um, like a paper boy, like, right? The B-Boy is a paper boy? Like, riding on a bike paper boy? Yeah, like a... Yes, he's a bicycle messenger. Raheem, a banjo boy. Banjo boy, yeah. This is the root of the black gay problem, but that's a whole nother show. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so, like, you know, but basically he's supposed to be the hood boy, and then Mitchell is, like, you know, the professional, and they fall in love, you know, and have this relationship. I think there's a part two as well. Mm. Um, James Earl Hardy was not the best writer, you know, but it was, you know, to me, like, it was, he was, like, giving my Tyler Perry at the time, like, I'm, you know, um, really reading this just because of the content, even mm -hmm. though I'm like, I would rather be reading Elin Harris. Um, but, you know, the story was really good. But um, I think the, pro the problem here is that I, I have a problem that black folk are working really hard to forgive Jesse Smollett and don't really understand how problematic his choices have been, you know, mm -hmm. and in specifically in that incident that happened in Chicago, you know, where he claims to have been a victim of racism and homophobia. Yeah. And it appears, I know he has not been proven guilty, but we all know that this story doesn't make sense and that it is still an ongoing situation. And yep. he, he clearly has used these two forces that plague us. He used it for social clout. And I just think it's irresponsible. I think that he needs, you know, like, I understand them not wanting to, like, vilify a black man in, 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 in the public. Like, I get that. I understand it. And I understand that people... Um, do strange things to receive fame, but I just don't, um, I don't support him. I don't support him directing this film. You know, there's some folk who are part of this film who claim to be activists. Um, and I, I decided I'm not going to mention exactly who I'm talking about. Um, because he's fine, but 
I just also, but it reminds me that people have no integrity and mm. that, you know, for, you know, I just, I just don't understand how, if you believe in social justice, how you could align yourself with this person's, um, allow me back into the community, allow me back into the scene project, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what this is. I mean, you know, uh, Miss Speak Your Peace herself is involved in the project, Brandy Evans. Lamar, Speak Your Peace. Who was Mercedes in P-Valley. She has been tapped to star in the film as well as Lettucey. Um So it's interesting. There is, there is a kind of, I guess, well-rounded cast uh, being put together here. <laughs> I am, I am concerned I am concerned as to oh, what this well product is going to look cast. like. Is it well-rounded? It is absolutely not. That's why I'm, laugh- I'm laughing at that assessment. <laughs> well-rounded cast. But okay, keep going. <laughs> I think it'll be an interesting end product. Um, yeah. Honestly, I, I, don't, I don't know where I stand with Jesse, to be honest. To be completely honest. I've watched his interviews speaking on that incident that happened in Chicago. Sometimes I feel like he's lying. Other times it feels like he's giving a half truth at least, but I don't know where, I don't know where to stand with him. I watched this just for the story. Y'all can, you know, y'all can do what y'all want. (laughs) <laughs> you don't know what to do with him. You know, I remember watching Queen Latifah. I mean, my thing is to say, you know, we're just going to support him. That, Like, that's fine. I just, I just, I just I don't think that people understand, like, you know... Like, there's just certain things you don't play with, you know, or you don't use, you know. You know, just like when you be at work and you like, you're trying to figure out a lie to tell them. You say, well, I ain't going to tell them my grandma died. Right. Like, like, you just don't, you don't <laughs> do that. <laughs> you just, you know, it, 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 especially in, 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 in this, in this moment, like that we, you know, this moment of Black Lives Matter, you know, which has been happening for several years, you know, um, now I will say, I remember when people were like, he's, you know, uh, he'll make it hard. They're never going to believe, you know, black gay men anymore. And I was just like, that's not true. He ain't our representative, you know, like right. he's, he's not. And he's, you know, barely a celebrity. You know what I'm saying? Like he, I mean, he became, I feel like celebrity with empire, you yes. know, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I haven't decided, you know, I mean, <laughs> I would like to see it, but, you know, I just, I, I don't support it. I think it's, you know, really whack. Um, and I think he, you know, he's really, we need, uh, we need a resolution. I think to that, yeah. I will say that yeah. we need a resolution um, because it's not cool. And I also remember people also talking about mental health. So if the boy has a mental health problem, then we need to, you know, to to be explicit about it, you know. Yeah. But then that could be yeah. too. 
I just say support him if you want to, while we can, while he's still with us producing stuff. Um, support the actors in the project. Just watch it. I mean, I guess there is that place where two tr- truths can exist. I can want to support this film and, you know, not be pleased with who's directing it. Mm-hmm. He better do a good job. Wishing all the best. <laughs> that it will not be a super massive time <laughs> <laughs> at the movie. <sighs> if the theaters are even open, child. Say, oh, I won't be going up in there even if they do open. So, Kenzie, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is coming up. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? I think I'm trying to get the family to <laughs> have some better energy. Um... Well, you know, I invited my friend, uh, oh, you know Sade. I invited Sade uh, yes. to come up. Well, she was supposed to come up last Thanksgiving, but, like, the day before, I was like, Sade's allergic to everything, and we <laughs> I think I should give her a call. <laughs> and I called her, and I was like, I was like, well, it's a big, you know, it's a big apartment, you know, you'll be fine, and so she decided not to come, so... Decided to do over this Thanksgiving, you know, get her a hotel, yeah, family, and hang out. Um, but then she the other day was like, I'm not sure if I'm still coming, I just need to think about it. And I replied, Sade, <laughs> um, but I think you know, my cousin Shelly is like a huge, like, COVID fanatic, so she's mm-hmm. just like, oh, having people over and I'm just like well girl we can social distance in here like we can eat all separately Mm. what is the big deal you know um but it it seems like it's gonna be just me and my New York family and I'm already bored by it (laughs) be thankful it's Thanksgiving you're right you're right you have a nice home to have a meal in. You have food. Some people don't. What are you doing, A.T.? I will be, as as far as I know, it'll just be my mom, my brother, and I. Um, and I'll be cooking. I'll be cooking uh, some mac and cheese, uh, a peach pie, of course. Um, maybe some other sides. Who knows? Whatever my mother requires of me. But yeah, I'll be I'll be cooking some. Who taught you how to cook, your mama? You know, I feel like yeah, watching my parents and also my grandma mm. cook. Yeah. All right. I saw those little sticky bun cinnamon rolls you made. Yes. They look really scrumptious. They are. They are. <laughs> well, um, it is time to wrap this all the way up. What are we talking about on our next episode? The next episode will be us diving deeply into Lovecraft Country. It's time. Favorite. It is time. <laughs> 
is your favorite. Well, I stopped watching next season, so let me go on and catch up. Catch it up, catch up. <laughs> do a little binge watching so I can yes. be prepared to discuss all things Lovecraft Country. Yes. All right. Well, we thank y'all for listening. Y'all take care. This ain't a sip and see. But.